got ups and downs Because the world's intense How could you find out what to pair with your life events A cocktail will never fail to provide a lift Just raise a glass with your friends and let's drink about it You're listening to Let's Drink About It, the show where we proceed from the premise that every life event has a perfect cocktail to go with it. I'm your host, Chris Bowman. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. And with us this week, we have the lovely and talented Michael, a.k.a. Mike Webster, uh, barman, career barman, bar Mm -hmm. owner. Michael, hello. Hello. How are you, buddy? I'm, I'm good. How are you guys? Good, good. Man, you have an AKA. That's yep. like so like if you're trying to duck the fuzz, you do he go shortens by his Mike. name. He shortens <laughs> his name. Shit. Yeah. He fucking really rubbed me up. <laughs> uh welcome to the show, Mike. How Thank you feeling? You. How you feeling? I'm good, good. Yeah. You I uh, just got off work. That's right. Yeah. I did. You still you still got the bar vibe <laughs> happening right now? No, it was like Sunday brunch, you know. It's uh Oh right. It's like coffee and yeah, well, no, I make some cocktails, mm-hmm. you know, some people get into it. It was good. We had, we had a, a great crowd. Oh, like, good. Of daywalkers. Daywalkers, <laughs> yeah. Now, do you get a lot of, okay, so uh, do you want to mention the bar in question here? Sure, yeah. It's, uh, it's Bar Raval. Bar Raval uh, on College Street here in Toronto, College and Palmerston. Um, and so do you get a lot of people coming in like groggy or are these people who are uh, like sprightly, brunchy Sunday types? I, you know, it's a, mix, it's a mixed bag. Definitely, yeah. definitely like... Some some stragglers from last night looking to get a coffee before, you know, they go home. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, that's really early though. But yeah, it's it's a mixed bag, and we're very fortunate. We get a lot of people that, that travel from all over the city, and they're excited to eat and they're excited to you know take it all in. And uh, if it's not super busy, people can really enjoy the space, which is something like uh, you can't, you can't really s- you see or appreciate at, at night because it's head down and stuff like that. So right. to see little kids and. People interacting and that sort of stuff is, is, you know, I don't think, I think that's atypical for, for a bartender, at least in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember when you were setting that bar up and I'd run into you the odd time and you'd be in there at 8 a.m., like maybe it was right after open. And I didn't know that it was also a, a coffee bar mm. in the morning as well. And, uh, and, you know, at that point when you're an owner, you're there from morning till <clears> night, <throat> you know, like you're, when you open, you're already exhausted. Right? Yeah, there was yeah. some. There's a lot of sleepover parties. In the, <laughs> yeah. <in the> bed. <laughs> I'm sure there were. Um, and so you've got a few things on the go right now. Is there anything, like, is a, can you talk about a current things happening? Yeah, or? <clears throat> for sure. Excuse me. Uh, we're, we're also opening a, a cocktail bar in Parkdale. Mm-hmm. Um, just just uh, west of Dufferin at the top of the hill there across from uh, Public Butter. Yeah, which is my, Parkdale is my neighborhood here in Toronto. In mine uh, too. Yeah. Yeah, apparently I got my first bike out of the the space that we're that we're taking. Get out of here! So, yeah. You're taking it back. <laughs> That's what my dad says, so I don't know. We'll see. Oh, amazing. <clears throat> um, yeah, so there's that, and then. Do you have a name for this place, or uh, <coughs> a name for this place? Yeah, it's going to open. It, it's a, it's 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 a concept piece. We'll say mm-hmm. that. So there's a, a couple different personalities to it, but um, we're we're going to name the the cocktail bar Pretty Ugly. Okay, it's called Pretty <laughs> Ugly. Pretty Ugly. Awesome. Yeah. Um, ironically, if you Google pretty ugly bar, there's like one in every city in North America. It seems, yeah. Really? And that, even you I've have to pay like a one. franchise fee for that? Or? Nah, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see, I guess, if someone gets upset. But none of them were really, I, I, know, I don't want to say successful, but I'd never heard of, of any of them. So yeah. I, guess, I guess it's kind of like this thing. Well, hopefully we, we're, we're heard of. But, uh, you know, <laughs> naming a business is really funny. And my partners and I, we, we, we spend a great deal of time going back and forth um oh man it's got to feel right it's got to feel right yeah right yeah <clears throat> and that's you know you, you 
I mean, that process is, it can be a bit of a nightmare. Sometimes I imagine they come quickly, you know, like naming something can just happen or maybe the name is there first and it just, you base the thing around it. But I don't know how it worked here. If you guys sat around and sort of like, or just like, uh, have it in the back of your mind at all times. Kind yeah. Of thing. It became like a two word thing for some reason. Uh, I had a, a number of names that I, I really liked and uh, I'm, I'm going to keep them and I'm not going to talk about them because I might sure open something else down the road. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it, it's it has to feel right, like you said, and I think you're gonna say it on the phone a hundred times a day for the rest of your <laughs> life, you know. Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's we have a concept, and I, I think the name fits the concept more than the idea that the name fits fits a bar or a specific location. And I, sure. it'll, you know, I think any good name, uh, sort of like you just forget about it. Mm-hmm. it yeah. You know, it's like it's there, it's a spot, you have a vibe, but the name. It, you know, you want it to kind of blend and be a secondary. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always like, oh, so what's it going to be called? And, you know, it's there's so much importance placed on this thing that really ultimately, I mean, it does have to fit. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's people are going to call it what they want. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, now, Mike, you've been a, uh, a, a serious cocktail bartender for a long time. How did you get into it? Uh, I guess <clears throat> I guess it, it was a byproduct of not making it as an actor or a comedian. <laughs> uh, you know, bar bar jobs were always kind of like the the easy way to make money, and uh, I was fortunate enough to meet some people early on, uh, even before I bartended, who who introduced me to bartending, and I wasn't old enough to bartend. And a gentleman that I, I met, an older guy who owned a a pretty popular spot in uh, London, Ontario. He he was an old guy, and he just sort of took me aside after work and showed me. You know how to make an old fashioned that sort of stuff, and mm-hmm. I, I I was like blown away. I didn't understand this this crazy world. So my fascination, <laughs> sort of like it, it stuck with me my whole life. I always had this this other thing that I did, um, even though I was studying, you know, to be an actor and a yeah. writer and a comedian, and um, you know, bartending became my my li- livelihood. And mm-hmm. I think I think anybody who, who who moves into this industry who's creative, um, you know, there's it's it's. It's dangerous because if you have integrity yeah. for creating and you're in an industry that, you know, creates as well, you might find yourself falling in love with something you've, n- you've never imagined. And that's not a bad thing, right? So right. Sure. I, I, uh, yeah, I just, I just kind of kept going and never made it and, you know, got to a point where I realized riding my bike to auditions for five hours a day wasn't as fulfilling as, <laughs> you know, watching someone <laughs> drink a cocktail that I made them and, and have them really genuinely appreciate it. Yeah. Right. Um, but where did it where did it change for you? I mean, was it right that moment right away or where did it change? Because, I mean, I'm a bartender also, but I'm not the kind of bartender that you are. Right. So, I mean, you at a certain point decided like, oh, shit, I want to. I want to explore this like much further than your like drink slinger or, you know, cause you're, you're, you're infusing your own alcohols or you're making your own bitters or you're, you know, yeah. you're doing all these things. Right. <clears throat> so where did it, where did it change for you? I think, I think when I started to collect booze and I, I was, I was doing a bit of traveling and, um, you know, I had all this booze all of a sudden and I was like, wow, like, you know, am I just going to drink this right. and have parties and, and show off or am I going to put it to use? Mm. So it, it became a mission for me to, when I went to the States, pick up stuff that we couldn't get here so that I could remake drinks from these old cocktail books and actually understand what, what balance was. And, right. Um, hmm. In doing that, you know, like uh, sometimes I couldn't get certain things and I'd read these old cocktails and I'd learn about the product, I'd learn about the, you know, the style of liqueur or whatever, and then I would research how to make it because I couldn't get it. Right, okay. And I think that was the moment where... You know, I was making things and producing cocktails with ingredients that I had made myself, 
and they were tasting good. Right. Now you're you saying go. you had a hard time finding ingredients in Ontario? <laughs> <laughs> right. This is a re- this is a repeat a recurring subject here. On yeah. The- <laughs> well, I like this call the LCBO. Let's create bartending obstacles. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Yeah, and I've said uh, on a good day it's it's the LCBO, and on a bad day it's the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. Yeah, you know. Yep. Like just that valve, that shitty valve that says here you can have, uh, you know, three kinds of gin if you want. You know, pick from one of these three mm-hmm. of like literally hundreds that are probably available out there. Um, but so so what was the okay? One last thing before we move on. But what was the the first thing that you, you know, one of these drinks that you can you remember which one it was or which uh, ingredient that you had to make or that you had a hard time finding? Uh, yeah, I. I, uh, I, I, I didn't like Martini Rosso Vermouth. Right. And, um, you know, no offense to that company. They're legendary and they're from Torino and they're legit. But I, I kept, I, I just kept tasting the same thing over and over again. And I, it's got kind of a barbecue sauce thing going on. I feel like, (laughs) yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't want to speak ill of it, but it was, (laughs) it's kind of like the confectionery chocolate of. The, you know what I mean? Fair enough. Like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. The vermouth like a game. Mass. Yeah, right. There's some sort of finish on it that I don't... It's, it doesn't appeal to me personally, right. and no offense to the company, but... Um, so, I, you know, I researched vermouth, and I got really into it, and then I got into wormwood. Well, can I get wormwood? Well, it happened to be spring, summer at the time, and I was able to find someone that had wormwood, and then, you know, along came the absinthe thing, and then all of a sudden I could make... Maybe I could make absinthe. Could I make absinthe? I don't know. And mm-hmm. it was just the idea that I wanted to make... A classic Manhattan, um, a perfect Manhattan with a dry vermouth and sweet vermouth. And then realizing that all vermouth is made from a certain type of wine. And like then what are the spices? And, and how do you do it? And what is actually vermouth? And wh- mm-hmm. how do you fortify? And I don't think I ever made the drink. You know, I just started <laughs> making vermouth I and see. Amaro and finding local botanicals that I could, you know, cook a wine with and reduce and then add brandy um, you know, and then there was different methods. Well, I could I could infuse the brandy first, and I wouldn't have to cook this because I find that this is, you know, diluting and bubbling over and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But I I think any benchmark bartender will tell you like the cocktail or the benchmark cocktail for them was the the Manhattan. Hmm. You know, I think it was the first inclusion of you know aside from bitters in an old fashioned or you know the Sazerac with with Peychaud like you 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 really are adding a, a full component. Like one part of a three-part drink is either one or two vermouths. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was the, the blend that was like, okay, now I'm, I'm on to something. Whoever came up with that, whatever story you believe, I think that was the, the true benchmark uh, cocktail for, for most creative bartenders. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, we'll get into this later, but I, was, I, uh, I had to buy essentially one of... Uh, everything you would need for a basic cocktail bar uh, <laughs> the other day, um, and I was I was like I was like just kind of organizing it all on a table, and I was like, oh wow, there's just like a whole wine section, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. all the vermouths and the and uh, you know there was like some some bubbles and and uh, and various bitters and things, and I was like, yeah, this is all basically just the wine area over here, right? And right. I'd never kind of I mean, it's all just kind of crammed away in a cabinet at my house so i was like it was kind of the first time i just thought about it in that in that sense and yeah you know i think i'm uh definitely not an expert but i like think about cocktails probably more than the average person walking around and and i was like man like i wish that i was smart enough to just 
have realized that from jump <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like oh a lot of this is just putting some wine type stuff in with some liquor type stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> just blend it all together and make it taste better is kind of yeah. like the forte of how cocktails were created right yeah yeah and even styles of liquor like like different styles of sherry if you can't really call it sherry but it's made in spain and it's like rancid wine well okay well you know, cook it down and fortify it. Like, make yeah. it taste good. Add some sugar. Burn some sugar and throw that at it. What's happening? Throw some bitters at it. What's happening? You know, that all of a sudden became, you know, a style of, a style of wine. Right. I heard. Uh, I think I was listening to the Food Fifty Two Burnt Toast podcast the other day, and they were talking about some speculation about how the how the spritz came about. Uh, uh, the you know they were talking about Aperol spritz, but like. Just the concept of putting uh, water and wine together, and it was something about like the Habsburgs taking over Italy and not liking how strong Italian wine was, so they would water it down, and that like sort of evolved into a cocktail. And then like women would put fruit juice in, so it would huh, look like yeah. they were just drinking fruit juice and not alcohol because yeah. it was like scandalous for women to drink. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I'd never heard that before. I mean, it's it's like it's a hundred percent speculation as far yeah. as I could tell. But I mean, it's it's like I mean, I love that shit. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know how how accurate it is, but it's a great story and like a believable one. You know, yeah. I th I think that's the the most beautiful thing about cocktails is that there's you know eleven hundred stories for every totally little thing and mystery. No one really knows. Yeah. So it, it it's a timeless you know expression or it's a timeless trade in that that regard because there's there's really no hard fact, right? Right. Yeah. I think that I, I, if if we ever like completely re reset this podcast, Chris, and just started started from the ground up, I think next a fun week, thing next to week. do would yeah. be just pick one cocktail per episode, and just like write a completely confabulated <laughs> history about it. Great and writing then, exercise. Yeah, yeah, and then and then do just like like the This American Life episode about how the old fashioned was made up, but it's like a fucking. A hundred percent bullshit. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think we just, just gave somebody no, a podcast. No, we idea. stand by this. We stand by all of the information in this podcast. We have done the research. We know whereof we speak. Yeah, we, uh, we're a name you can trust. <laughs> the most uh, trusted name in, in bar, bar lore bullshit. <laughs> Life events. This week, uh, or I guess on a re my recent vacation, um, I discovered that I've gotten slightly better uh, at being a, a party attendee, and I need a drink for that. <laughs> uh, I went and got myself a job, and I need a drink for that. Whoa. Uh, I, too, was on vacation, and uh, I was visiting some magical people in uh, Oaxaca, and uh, I need a drink to celebrate that. Oh, perfect. Dang. All right, let's get to the drinks. Here go the recipes. So I think we're going to do this a little bit differently than we normally do because yeah. Mike is, uh, you know, a lot more advanced in terms of game than either of us. Yes. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I, I mean, mean I know Mike that it, I know that it's correct that he's so. more advanced, but <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's certainly true. And we figured, just why don't we have somebody who knows, you know, th thoroughly what they're talking about, and someone who's had some uh, long term experience with the stuff. So Mike will be uh, telling us the drink that he'll be making for himself, and uh, I'll hopefully get a little. Uh, I brought enough taster. for two. Oh, Mike! I brought right. my I brought my own ice too. You know, if you want uh, uh, he brought his own ice. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, Ben, um, you're going to be drinking something called the Inside Job. Uh, it's two ounces of bourbon, a quarter ounce of uh, maraschino liqueur, half an ounce of simple syrup, a dash of Angostura bitters, and a dash of absinthe. Um, oh, I've cut off the, uh, ing- uh, the directions. You're going to add all the ingredients to a mixing glass and spill- fill with ice. Stir and strain into an old-fashioned glass uh, filled with fresh ice. And you're going to garnish with a cherry, uh, one orange slice, or twist. Cool. Yeah. Chris, you're going to be uh, drinking. I, I was just thinking, who who knows how to party better than <laughs> the Brazilians? Uh-huh. Uh, so you'll be drinking a caipirinha. Uh, it's just one of those classics that we just haven't gotten to on the show, and this seemed like a great opportunity. So two ounces of cachaça, half of a lime quartered, and two bar spoons of demerara sugar or two demerara cubes. So you'll mutter, muddle the sugar and the limes until... Uh, the sugar is well dissolved, and then add the cachaça and shake with ice and pour into a chilled wa- rocks glass, ice and all. Uh, so we we're, were talking just before we started taping, and, and I noticed that uh, half of a lime quarter doesn't really equal a lot of juice. And, mm-hmm. um, and Mike speculated that, you know, back when this drink was first made, limes were real, uh, you know, and... <laughs> and um, so there might be, you know, there's not a lot of liquid in this drink. So I don't know if you, if we, what do you, can you do? Just more lime, I guess, or? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. The, the limes that we get today are so dry. Yeah. And I always have to add lime juice to a cappuccino, yeah. I mean, yeah, a cappuccino or something like that. Interesting. Um, so, so I, yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, make it to taste. It's, it's basically, it's, it's a very similar drink to a, um, a, a daiquiri in terms of just being, spirit lime juice and sugar so yeah i would say whatever ratio floats your boat sure exactly as we always say make it to your liking i guess yeah within reason um and mike i'll just get you to read what you just you read uh, uh in your own voice uh, so mike is going to read uh the uh what's it called mike it's called ron's cocktail okay uh i i just named it after a, a friend of mine uh ron cooper he he's the producer well he's the the brainchild of Delma Gay, or Delma Gay is his brainchild, I guess. Um, Delma Gay Mezcal, arguably the most, uh, you know, successful, famous uh, Mezcal brand in, in at least North America. Okay. Yeah, that uh, is pretty pretty abundant these mm-hmm. days. And Ron's Ron's just a rad dude. So when he came to Toronto, um, and I met him in Toronto, he well, I met him. A few times prior, but he, he was like, yeah, you know, if this is what I drink. If I'm going to drink a mezcal cocktail, this is what I drink. And it's an ounce of... Uh, guess, yeah. I'm, I'm giving Mike to read. The inst- like, he made the drink for fuck's sakes. Like, he needs to read from this. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead, Mike. It's okay. Cues are always good, chef. <laughs> the, uh, it's, it's, it's just like a Negroni, but um, so it's one ounce of, uh, you know, the mezcal that you have. Uh, Espadine works, works great, obviously, if you have another single village. I, I like a Tepestate. Um, mezcal in this drink. A lot of people would never mix a tepestate, but I find that it's, in my opinion, the tepestate is the most aggressive, most vibrant, most alive uh, expression of agave. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes it so? I don't, you know, it's the plant itself. It just looks gnarly. It looks like it wants to fight. It's, <laughs> it's like ugly and twisted and like, yeah. You know, there's a lot of agave species and subspecies that are, you know, they're all succulents, so they're pretty and they have this elegant sort of you know, s- symmetrical pattern and, and there's congruency with the, the leaf growth and, you know, it's, it's, it's very beautiful. But 
Tepestate, it's kind of like it always wants to grow in a a weird position right. and like it's it, most of it's wild so yeah and the and the pinas are massive and they're they're very they're they're, they're just stuffed with this like you know agave nectar and now we should you, say that espadine and tepestate are essentially breeds of agave in the same way that blue agave is and blue agave is what they use to make tequila yeah but espadine and tobola and and uh Tobaciche and I got yeah, to try a coyote mezcal. Coyote, recently. yeah, yeah. Is and, that uh, ben, boy? I like that a lot. But the yeah. bottle was like one hundred and seventy-five dollars, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, blanched at purchasing it. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course. Um, sorry, I think I interrupted your recipe. No, yeah, okay. So it's one ounce of mezcal, one ounce of uh, a dry vermouth, mm-hmm. uh, one ounce of apérol, and then I I just put a sp- a splash like a bar spoon of Campari. Okay, so. You know, it's a Negroni, variation of Negroni with Aperol instead of Campari, but you're adding a splash and dry vermouth instead of sweet and mezcal instead of gin. Wow. Uh, so you just stir that uh, over the <clears throat> over ice if you want. Serve it up if you like your Negronis up. And I use a grapefruit, grapefruit oils and zest instead of a, an orange. Cool. Uh, well, I'm salivating, so let's mm. go make these drinks. Yeah. Hey, cheers, guys. Cheers. I will drink mine first. And, uh, cheers. I, tried, cheers. I tried bumping my glass against the <laughs> nearest metal thing. Didn't, I bump, heard it. Didn't make a great sound. <laughs> I toasted my desk. Mm. Well, I added an extra half lime to that. Too tart? No. Uh, no. I mean, there you go. Mm. I mean, it's... It's a little tart, that's for sure. Too much? No, I, don't, I think it's good. It's all right. He, he's like, I think it's good. <laughs> Chokes it back. <laughs> I'm just going to try the, um, what's it called? Ron's Cocktail. Ron's Cocktail. Oh, man. That is smooth as glass. Holy shit, that's good. Wow. Well, I wish you could try this, everybody. <laughs> Sorry. They can. And if they oh, do, nice. they should take a picture and send it in. Yeah. Wow, that is delicious. Mm. Thanks, so, um, Ben, uh, what's, tell us, please. I've been, honestly, I think we postponed a recording while I was away. Uh, yeah. And we had sort of arranged for one to happen, and then it kind of fell through at the 11th hour. So I've been chomping at the bit here to find out just what the hell you've been up to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went and got me a job. Uh, Good for you. Congrats. Yeah, I've been sort of toying with the idea of uh, hanging up my my uh, freelancing sword and shield and uh, going in house somewhere. And, I mean, you've uh, mentioned it. You've mentioned it in recent months that you'd put the feelers out, kind of thing. And, yeah, and more more than the feelers. And yeah. I've had a few great interviews and a few interviews that weren't so great. Um, the uh and then this uh this opportunity came up and i'm I'm not quite ready to say like what it is on air because it's very fresh yeah and uh and you know i'm sure that i'll look back at this and laugh but uh it's basic basically i'm uh i'm running video for um, a series of lifestyle websites and 
it's a it's a great job like i get uh i'm like planning a cocktail video uh that i'll shoot uh, a couple couple days before this episode airs so i'm like i'm really excited and uh i'm having uh you know creative meetings where i put out ideas and they like them and it's just wow. it's just uh, it's uh it's kind of a it's kind of a hoot and i haven't had I've, it's like the first time I've ever had a job job where I have to like be somewhere on Monday at 10 a.m. or whatever. <laughs> like an, in an office, you mean? Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm in so, an office. I have a desk. Uh, so, I mean, you, you um, when hanging up your armor, as yeah. it were, uh, I mean, was this, you know, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Did this opportunity come up and just say you, you couldn't you couldn't refuse it or... Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, I think that it sort of it sort of builds on 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 what I've been doing for a long time, which mm-hmm. is it it it's a job that benefits from my experience at uh you know, the technology websites that I've shot video for. It benefits from my experience shooting put this on. Yeah. It benefits from my experience doing this show mm-hmm. and um and and so i have it's like it's weird it's like you know like it, it'd be hard to come up with something that i'd be more qualified for yeah <laughs> but uh but it's also like all new you know because i've never you know like i uh <laughs> i had to go through like the hr process to to new. get hired which was like mm-hmm. a total trip like i've never had you know that like you know where they tell you like what the benefits package is going to look like and you have to negotiate salary and stuff like that yeah i mean i think you i think you i asked you how your first day was and you're like yeah so far i think this job is just me talking to hr people about how to sign up for <laughs> yeah healthcare. <laughs> right yeah um but uh also on my first day we did some some brainstorming about what kind of videos we would make for a condom company so cool i don't know right if on. that's going to happen or not but that was like a really funny like first day thing to be thinking about like yeah. what condom jokes could we come up with? <laughs> right. And um, how can we get these on air or uh, onto websites? Yeah. Um, the weirdest thing about it was I, I basically had gotten told by the guy that is now my, my manager or supervisor or whatever. I don't mm-hmm. even know what to call him, but uh, <laughs> my boss. Uh, yeah. Right. How about that? Yeah. Had said uh, over the phone, like, uh, like we definitely want want you for this position i just need to pass you off to the human resources people they'll uh you know they have to like do a background check and stuff like it's not 100 percent in my hands at this point but uh you know you you're the name i've i've submitted to them as who i want them to place in the position and Mm -hmm. that was one of those things where i was like i got off the phone and i was like yeah and then i was like nervous for four days (laughs) all right because I uh, I didn't know like exactly how sure a thing it was, right? And, all the uh, what ifs, and... and I guess nothing's really a sure thing until there's ink on the page. So, mm-hmm. um, so all he told me was uh, somebody named Lex is going to reach out to you, and and I had a quick phone call with this guy Lex, and then uh, you know it was like a, a few days went by, and I was just waiting, essentially for my offer letter, which is another like formal thing that everybody in the world seemed to know about but me but like they have to like put in writing like what the 
job title is going to be and who I'll be reporting to and everything, mm-hmm. I guess, so that you don't, you know, sue them for saying that you put, they put you in a weird position that you didn't, I don't know, but, uh, some legal jargon. To yeah. Cover their yeah. Asses. It seems, it seems like that's what it's for, but right. I, and I guess you like show an offer letter to a, to a landlord or something. If you're trying to get a trying to get a rental agreement, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, I got the, I, it was like a couple days had gone by and I was like kind of waiting for this formal agreement to come through. And I was wondering, wondering, wondering. And then I got an email from just human resources and then in parentheses Lex and then a couple of numbers. And then, (laughs) and I was like, oh, this must be it. It looks like, it looks like a computer spit this out, but Mm -hmm. this is the guy, Lex. So I click on it and it says like, uh, human resources department has, has canceled the position that you have been applying for, uh, we appreciate your time, uh, and we hope that you'll apply for positions <laughs> here in the future. What? And then just signed human resources, and I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and, and and I was like, I, I basically like went through all of the feelings of like, "Damn, I got so close to getting this job that I was so excited to get," and it fully got like like the rug got pulled out from under me. And Shit. then I clicked the little email. You know, like it, it says like the name of the email, but I clicked that to see what the uh, actual email address had been. And mm-hmm. it was from the HR department at a job that I applied for like seven months ago that I didn't really mm-hmm. want. But I like did the process and like went in for an interview and shit. And they happened to be on Lexington Avenue. <laughs> so that Lex was like the address, I guess. That is awesome. Yeah, but, that's hilarious. But they like there was like no identifying information in the email. So I'd like just I like basically just read this and then the guy called back with my offer letter. <laughs> and I was man, like, what a roller coaster. Confusing yeah. eight minutes of your life. Yeah, man. <laughs> All the what does it mean? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, you must've had a fucking heart attack and then like, just totally like came like, bounced right back mm. the minute you get this offer letter. Like, I mean, honestly, how, 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 what was the time in between? I mean, max, it was like 30 minutes, but it was probably a lot less than that. It, I mean, sure. it felt, it felt, was like yeah. one of those things where like, you can't even tell how much time is passing. Cause you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, like each, each ticking of the second hand is like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, like it felt like in middle school when you ask a girl out and then she doesn't talk to you for two weeks and you're like, what happened? <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. Oh, wait, that stopped happening to you in middle school? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm just saying like that's when it started. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Now I'm comfortable. Um, and you're more well, confused then because you have nothing to compare it to. Right, right. Uh, well, that's, I mean, that's great news and that's, uh, it's gotta come as some kind of a relief for you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's fun. Like it's more fun than I think I deserve to be having, uh, given that I'm like making a steady income and it really solves a thing that I have been frustrated about with some of my freelance work lately, which is like, I, I can get freelance work very easily, but I haven't been feeling motivated to get it because the kind of freelance work I can easily get is either 
terrible pay or terribly boring you know right. pick pick right. one or the other and and uh you know that's not just to besmirch any of the jobs that i've had recently like no but like that, even that the boring shit. ones are interesting ultimately but you know i have i have a lot to contribute and i don't uh feel like you know some of the stuff that i've been doing lately has exactly benefited from my my enthusiasm Right, right. And I mean, but that that shit occupies a lot of your mind too, right? It takes up a lot of brain space where not not only are you not creatively satisfied, but you're struggling to get work, which means income, you know? Like, right. So, well, so and, that... and I wasn't struggling to get work is the thing because I was like, if I, if I like hustle and get lots of work, then I'm just going to be more bored. Well, I suppose, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess by struggle, I just mean uh, not necessarily that you couldn't get work, but just that it's a constant thing being freelance. It's like you are constantly having yeah. to, you know, uh, maybe, yeah, struggle is the wrong, the wrong uh, word, but, but yeah, so now you've got all this, you know what? I can imagine the, uh, the amount of fresh air in your brain now is, uh, quite relieving. It is totally different. I mean, I, uh, I, I had, uh, a bunch of shit happen this week that, um, that put all of the, uh, all of the chaos back in, um, mm-hmm. You know, just in like some family stuff, but uh, and then yeah. like also paid my taxes, which was really stressful and fucked up. But yeah, uh, but like at least that one thing is kind of solved more or less. Yeah. So uh, and uh, this inside job cocktail pill pairs perfectly with it. Oh, that's good to hear, buddy. That's good to hear. I was it's glad to use another quarter ounce of maraschino liqueur because <laughs> I will never finish this fucking bottle that I bought eight years ago. <laughs> just just make uh just make more last words at home or that's, something. That's a good idea. I should. Yeah. I mean, you can never have too many. That's mm. that's true. That's um, a good pancake topping too, just saying so you know. <laughs> Really? Oh, Is yeah. it really? Big time. Oh, big time. God yeah. damn. Sundays are going to be forever different. And it's, why just why why corner it on Sunday? I could do it Monday to Friday. You deserve Monday. pancakes every yeah, day. Monday. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh yeah, maraschino liqueur soaked pancakes every day. Mm. I saw uh, on the Food 50, you know, Food 52 has this new app, uh, Not Recipes. I got to check it out, yeah. Yeah, you, ch- you should absolutely check it out. There's a great cocktail section that uh, I've contributed a number of drinks from our show to. Hmm. Um, but uh, they put something up the other day that was somebody making French toast with leftover naan from, like, Indian food. Yeah. And... Uh, Holy mackerel! It looked good. <laughs> really? Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna see if I can make like non-French toast with maraschino liqueur on oh, top. Man. That sounds pretty good. Non-French toast. There's a joke in yeah, there. Yeah, there is. I mean, Quebecois <laughs> thing going on. <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna save my bullshit till the end, so we'll get to Mike's um, um, tale now. Mike, you you uh, you said you spent some time with some magical people. I, yes. Um, yourself included well that's uh you know that's uh evident it's clear i'm <laughs> magical um but you you were in you were in you cast uh, a spell on me chris bowman <laughs> so where were you exactly and what were you doing there uh i i was recently in in mexico in, in oaxaca mm-hmm. in oaxaca city but uh pure vacationing uh yeah no like we we have some <clears throat> people that we do business with there okay and um, we also went 
on a, on a bit of a quest. Every time we go, we go on a bit of a quest, but uh, we went a little further this time mm-hmm. uh, into the valley, into the mountains. And uh, we, we had, a, had a friend that basically Instagram is, you know, the network of, of today. And mm-hmm. a friend of mine had been following a gentleman on Instagram and he assumed that he had um, been a, a Mezcal producer or, or something to do with Mezcal at some point. And uh, he was down there about six weeks ago, five, six weeks ago, and, and he met this guy. And the guy was like, oh, no, I just like know everybody. I just know everybody. <laughs> um, he's like, okay, so where do you want to take me? Like, let's go visit, you know, someone who makes mezcal. And he, you know, he's like, okay, I'll pick you up tomorrow at like 4.30 in the morning. He's like, um, <laughs> I'm not getting home till 4.30. But him and his, his wife went to bed early that night, and this guy picked them up, and they drove to this Palenque uh, in Sierra Norte. Sierra Norte is like, a, it's 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 super far deep into the to the mountains, and you know, it might only be a hundred kilometers or one hundred fifty kilometers, but you're going up, you know, two to three hundred and down two to three hundred just to get there. Yeah, well, uh, <clears throat> it's not like a you know, it's not like four hundred one, four twenty seven, whatever, right? It's, it's that's a local freeways here. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, uh, they came back and they were really excited and, and, and we've been there a couple of times before. So we know some people in different spots and, um, you know, I, I, I just think, I think Mezcal and Agave are, are, are massively misunderstood and, and there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of, uh, publicity right now in the media and, and there's a number of, of things that are arising. There's, there's, bill amendments and there's the CRM and there's all these things that are happening around Mezcal. The New Yorker just, you know, released an article last week that in my mind is, is arguably the best literature to date. Um, that's available to society about, about the whole story of, of Oaxaca and, and, and the production of Mezcal and, and the idea of, of, of it. And we'll oh post man, I haven't to, read that yet. We'll uh, post a link to that. That's for sure. going on yeah. my list. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good article. It's really it's really well written and it's uh, it's informative. And even for the lamest that don't know anything about mezcal, I think they'll find who you, you know, call them lame. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> layman's, layman's. <laughs> uh, so you you basically on the back of your friend's trip went down there with this knowledge. Yeah, we met we met this gentleman, um, and you know he's just very excited. We were friends with Julio, um, a friend of ours, and his wife, Kate. And he said, yeah, of course, I'll take you. So I picked us up 5 a.m. You know, we're cruising there, and the sun's coming up, and the sun's blocked by these mountains, and then it's poking through at this moment. And, you know, you're in the clouds one minute, and then an hour later, you're below the clouds. And the valleys and the landscape and the trees and, the you know, every everything is – all of a sudden, everything's brown, and then everything's like clay, and then everything's green. and Wow, you know, wow. You're, you're cruising along a major road, and then all of a sudden you're you're not on a major road for two hours, and you're bumping around, and <laughs> you have to take it really slow hmm. because you're you're driving kind of like halfway in a river and on some rocks, and you know everybody does going, this, right? Yeah, <laughs> and you're, you're going, you're going, like you know, you can get shot in the face and thrown down a mountain, and no one's going to find you ever, right? You know, it's you're you're pretty you're pretty remote, and it's a it's a safe area. A lot of people, f- you know, have this misconception of of Oaxaca, and I did as well. Uh, it's, 
It's a very safe area of Mexico. Right. And you're just saying you're so far out that if, you know, it, yeah, it just happens to be Mexico. Yeah, you, but, yeah. You're, you're, you're alone with the environment. Like, yeah. You bump into people when you drive through these small towns. And, you know, we were there Easter weekend. So I, I have long hair and this crazy beard. And everyone thought I was the second, second coming. coming. And yeah. <laughs> I'm getting these, like, <laughs> photographs and stuff. But it was... It was the first time in a really long time. You just that please stop walking with your palms well, facing <laughs> skyward, all right? Like arms stretched out, palms upward. It's yeah. a. It's I should really have left all my people. white linen shirts at home too, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was. It's it's pretty cool, right? Because people, and this doesn't happen to me for a while. A lot of people in these small villages, they have cameras. They still have cameras that have uh, film, or, mm-hmm. or even not. So they have digital cameras that are old as fuck and they run into their house to get their camera. They're not carrying around an iPhone. And I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed like, okay, stop for a second. I got to go to my camera. Because mm-hmm. it's not something I carry around right, all the time. Right, it's not on you, yeah. And I'm not, you know, and their heads aren't down looking at their phones while I'm walking by. Just, you know, we're, <laughs> it's kind of like this, oh, wow, this could only happen here type of thing, right? But yeah. they're taking a photo for themselves. Right. And th- that made me want to have sure. someone take a photo with me. Yeah. Whereas... You know, I think the application of Instagram and not just whatever with Instagram, it's it's great. It's a it's a total tool. Well, like we live in a society where people take photos of you without your uh, request, without, exactly. Yeah, without and then you. I get a million likes, and I don't even know it. <laughs> right, right, right. It, give me credit for my face. Well, Thank I, you. Yeah, I don't know about that. But yeah, it's yeah. Just, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. just like this. This is kind of back in time, and it it goes part and parcel with the the production of mezcal and the people and mm-hmm. you know the way they do it and the fact that there's no machines involved and the fact that there's no digital readout and there's no temperature control and there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no. Right. Yet the end product is something that your body just loves. And, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think there's any, any better expression of any spirit. And that's no offense to, you know, whiskey and all. Be careful because whiskey listens. The beautiful people. <laughs> oh, whiskey's a big fan of spirits. Chris and my bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of whiskey. Yeah. I'm a huge yeah. Fan. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, so would you say that, um, you know, because we do get people that listen that are, are either just starting into cocktail appreciation or whatever, but would you say that Mezcal is maybe one of the more complex, I mean, you say it's misunderstood, but even just to sort of introduce yourself, like, because a lot of people, as we were talking about earlier, like say, oh, I don't like tequila, but they don't like particular kinds of tequila. Yeah. They just don't know. They, you know, they're having a bad tequila that they, you know, <clears throat> all tequila must taste this way. And that's yeah. not yeah. necessarily true. But like... Mezcal is something that, you know, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but to more or less degree is like a smoky, a smoky tequila, uh, you know, it, 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 sort of in that family, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, but is, is it a, how would you recommend people approach Mezcal who have not had uh, Mezcal? Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. I, I think, I don't know, I think it's different for everybody, but sure. you, you're definitely going to want to start with, um, I think traditionally the reason why people make añejos and reposados with mezcal and tequila is so um, it, it sort of like numbs the the vibrancy of the of the plant and the overall expression is is still there, mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of like sugar coated. Sure, it's honey coated. Right. Uh, I don't want to say that it's sweet, but the addition of oak with tequila or mezcal, you know, it's two years at the most for an añejo and. You're getting uh, a lot of oak. It, there's a vibrancy to the, the spirit. There's a vibrancy to agave. It, it, it draws, you know, 
I think it's a little bit more vibrant than than a grain of rye or a grain of, of wheat or whatever. And uh, it seems to extract a lot of oak, which therefore adds a little bit of sweetness and roundness and so on and so forth. Yeah. But well, the thing I think is so gr- like th- that's so great about it is like you you take gin, which is essentially vodka with flavors extracted into it. I mean, like mezcal has as as much diversity of flavor without any like anything added. Mm. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a, a distillate and. And there's so much variation when you start like nerding out about the different plants that it's made from. I was talking to this guy and he said that it used to be called vin de mezcal because it's like wine yeah. where like the, you know, different grapes yield different types of wine, different yep. plants de- are like totally different when you taste them. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, real quick, this mezcal you brought over, you said is less than a week old. Yeah, this well this stuff we haven't even tried. Oh, we haven't it. tried it yet. Can no, we no. do that now? Can we break it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let's do it. Well, I, just to speak to your point, Ben, like <clears throat> if you think about if you think about a neutral grain, potato, parsnip, you know, beet, whatever, whatever you're going to make your your spirit out of, it's it sees one season. It sees, you know, maybe 4, 8 months, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, any mezcal, the plant, you know, an espadine minimum is 6 years. Right. So that's that's twenty four seasons. That's X number of moon cycles and sunsets, and it's that's one grape. Uh, a pina is one grape, essentially. You know, to to use your analogy. Sure. So imagine if every grape was alive for you know on average six years. Well, most of these things, like most of these pinas, are between twelve and thirty years old. You know, you're getting tobolas that are sixteen years. Yeah. And that's you know. Age it up that's front. Six, that's six, what I say. <laughs> but I, you know, in, in my in my opinion, like there's no, there's no, you know, more intimate way to absorb plant life than to drink mezcal. Man, you you've just romanticized mezcal to the point where I don't ever want to drink anything else. <laughs> it's kind of like I, I, can't. I feel the same way. No, no honestly, way. you've just made it. You just made it like Ben. You just said age it up front, and and you're saying. To, to absorb this plant life that that you know has spent this time and and struggling you know and drawing this water and making you know and living and then you're just like and it's a sipping drink you know it's a sipping spirit right absolutely so, I mean it's something you sit and enjoy and I mean te- good tequila is the same thing but mezcal and speaking of sipping uh, excuse us while we sip this right. uh, cheers stege stege is the uh, stege the Zapotec oh. ooh that's a good one stege. Mm. So we're sipping on a, a pachuga from this gentleman named Edgar in Sierra Norte that we helped make as my business partner uh, beheaded the turkey that oh. uh, we so, would skin. So explain and to the listener what the, what the deal is with pachuga. So pachuga is like every time you have a major harvest, you have to sacrifice something. So you're taking from the land. I'm taking all these agaves. It was a part of the land. Mahuel, the, the goddess of the land, is letting you take them. What are you going to give her back? So every authentic uh, palenquero will have, you know, chickens or rabbits or, you know, all kinds of wildlife on their property. The, the gentleman we visited in Sierra Norte, he, he had passion fruits, pineapples, bananas, you name it. He had every fruit and he had, you know, figs and, and then he had these turkeys walking around. So he just kind of picked one of the turkeys the day before you were you're, there. And you're like, just describing a, uh, a cornucopia right now. <laughs> Absolutely, Thanksgiving cornucopia, <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty dope. Like you know, and then 
he the day before we we beheaded the the turkey he was like oh which one do you want and my partner was kind of like friending up this turkey so <laughs> we picked him and the, the turkey wouldn't Little leave us alone know. like it it, it was so funny. It was like it knew, right? So it was like, okay, I'm going to get to know these guys. And, you know, a lot of people will say that's, you know, it's, that's horrible, whatever. The, the turkey was like isolated. It had a shitty life. Edgar bought it and let it walk around like 40 acres of land. Mm-hmm. It came home and knew it was going to get fed in every night. It had a place to sleep. It, it wasn't messed around with. Mm-hmm. It's it lived like great- me now that I have a job. Hey. Exactly. <laughs> minus the HR. <laughs> right. Minus yeah. the, I'm sure there's a rooster uh, <laughs> HR center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, so anyway, the, the, the mezcal is uh, it's a celebratory mezcal. It's, it's to celebrate somebody's life who's passed away. It's to celebrate a marriage. It's to celebrate, you know, a union or, 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 or a new job or whatever. And uh, the mezcal... Is an espadine. Normally, it's an espadine, so that's a, a really young expression of agave. It takes six to, you know, whatever, 12 years to grow. And then uh, first distillate, they, they mash it up, they extract it, they, they make first distillate, and then that sits on the side. They create a little basket that normally has an animal, whether it's a rabbit, a chicken, a hen, a rooster, a turkey. Um, some people have, you know, sacrificed crops, other crops that uh, come from the land. And then you put everything in a in a little bag, kind of like a marble bag. That's that's like a fishnet stocking. Mm-hmm. You throw fruit in there, some herbs, some spices, and I, I've drank a lot a lot of pechuga in my time. I don't really like it. I I, I don't like an an aged mezcal or tequila either. I I like to taste the vibrancy of the plant. So when you're adding spice and you're adding fruit, to me it kind of it adds sweetness and it takes away from the from the overall expression of of, mm-hmm. the, of the agave. Hmm. But uh, Edgar's espadine is particularly sweet. And the amount of turkey that he puts into the the satchel is more than what I'm normally used to or what I've, I've read. And his fruit content is, isn't very high. And his spice content is extremely low. So, you know, for me, this, this pechuga, it tastes vastly different than the one we had earlier. Mm-hmm. There's, there's less spice, but there's a lot of flavor. There's a lot of salt to combat the, you know, and in essence, it's like, it's a cocktail. It's 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 taking these huh. you know fruits and you know these spices and you know you're just letting the vapors roll over this this bag that's sitting in the middle of this so, you know pot still. So we're basically taking the age it up front principle and uh, we're flavoring it up front also mm-hmm. and letting it sit. Mix in your, glass. your cocktail before you distill the the booze. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's pre-mixed. It's a, so I'm drinking a pre-mixed cocktail. Is what you're telling me? Yeah, <laughs> ready don't to you, drink. Don't, yeah, absolutely, yeah. out of the bottle. Yeah, but no, don't but it's, you it, feel like? Don't you feel that? Don't you feel the salt? Don't you, do you get the? Well, it's. I mean, it and it certainly is all mezcal. Maybe uh, to my unrefined palate is a savory. It's a savory spirit for sure. Uh, but let me like. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely. Again, it's 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 one of those things. Mike was explaining earlier that some of your like, what did you call it? Some of your, uh, you know, there's not a lot of length to the the taste. Like mm. the taste, the the profile kind of drops at a certain point. Like it, you get you get something. It's it's it kind of hits you and then it disappears. Whereas something like the one we had, or what is it? This one? Or explain to me what you said earlier. Well, yeah, I think what I'm looking for in a mezcal is length. Right. I'm looking for like an opening, but then. 
And what do you mean by opening? Like when I when I sip on something like a, a scotch, for right. example, because people can relate to that. There is an expression of the mash bill up front, whether it's a corn malt, you know, malted barley, whatever, mm-hmm. or high rye content. You you get that. Mm-hmm. But then you know a really good scotch uses the wood to like make this really long journey where it's it goes up to caramel and comes down to vanilla and then right. you know maybe there's maybe there's some saltiness and some vegetalness in the in the middle and then all of a sudden the oak rounds it out with a little bit of honey and then the rye comes through on the back end so it's it's there to match the honey with you're, spice you're romanticizing scotch to the point where it's the only thing i want to drink <laughs> from now on but yeah. you know what i mean yeah, like no, everybody sure. has i i think the mark of a of a truly good spirit has has length it has a, right. a story you, you don't just sip it and three seconds later have it dialed in it has a journey and yeah i think mm. the impulses in the human mind react a certain way to different flavors and stuff like that and that's that's why you know mckellen 25 in my opinion you know or whatever it's like it took me on a journey and i looked at the bottle and i was like i liked that journey you're my pilot for you know <laughs> right. scotch for the rest of my life yeah yeah um and and in and in you know endeavoring myself to learn more about mezcal and you know what a yovan is and what a blended is and like what a mixto is and right. I think I think unfortunately for some brands that are picked up because they get picked up in you know American liquor stores and can- Canadian liquor stores they get picked up at a very low price because they know that people aren't used to mezcal right. and they'll add an element of that smoky length that 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 unique sort of agave expression. But they're gonna muddle it with a whole bunch of other things, whether it's neutral grain spirit, or you know, poor agave, or you know, water. You know, they do a high second distillate, they do a high third distillate, which means the alcohol content goes up. They add water, but when your alcohol content goes up, your flavor goes down. Mm-hmm. So, yes, people aren't used to it. So it's now like, they get it's a like Batman for su- versus Superman. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you told the story, but I don't really know why any of us should have had to sit through that. <laughs> Pre- yes, pretty right. much. And I mean, it, it's really unfortunate because a lot of touristy places in Mexico will label themselves as mezcal bars. And, you know, you or I or anyone can go in there and not have had mezcal for the first time. And, and get that March break tequila vibe. Get, right. you, you get that shit. You drink it all night. You have a headache the next day that you swear you're, you're going to die. <laughs> and you, you, you don't want to drink it anymore. Yeah. And unfortunately, like, there, there, there are a lot of huge brands, huge Mexican brands that are capitalizing off you know, the innocence of, of, of an American Ignorance, drinking culture. And yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of sad. And, you know, if, if you stay in Oaxaca City... And, and you have some money to rent a car, you can literally drive an hour and a half, not even, outside of Oaxaca City and experience the real, the real thing at, at a very like, reasonable price. And is it something as um, uh, like prevalent there as like a wine tour? Like let's say if you're in California and you can drive through, or you're in, in France and you drive through you know, uh, uh, wine regions. Is it something like that where it's uh, you know, a couple miles down the road is another yeah, I pr- mean, producer? Or? You kind of have to know... Okay. But but I think there's enough people out there. Like if you were on the internet, you could find someone, or you're in town, you could talk to someone. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of places in Oaxaca that that you know are friends with people who produce mezcal, and they and they serve their mezcal. You know these people that are obviously very, you know, impoverished. Not impoverished, but they're poor. They're not. Yeah. They're not looking to make a million dollars off selling the spirit. They right. they make you know mezcal for their friends, their family, and they maybe they sell a bit. Right. So. 
the people that buy it are, are obviously appreciative and they know how to talk about it. And, you know, that's how we first hooked up with some people and, and got into it because they were just, oh, yeah, like, here's the address, you know, tell them we sent you and we go down with someone that speaks, you know, really good Spanish and, mm-hmm. you know, we're able to, like, articulate how passionate we are about it and people are, are, are receptive to it. So that. when you're excited, when they see how excited you are, they get excited because it's something they... Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 weird. I'm a gringo, right? So yeah. it's difficult. And I, I'm trying to learn Spanish, and I want people to understand that, like, I appreciate Mezcal, and I appreciate what they do, and I appreciate that. And I Hard to convey yeah. in English. And, and, you know, we got lucky with Edgar. He speaks English, and, and his wife was, I think she kind of wears the pants in the relationship, which, <laughs> is, which is awesome, because Edgar's just a free wheeling, like, he's just such a cool dude. <laughs> and I was trying to convey to his wife, how, you know, a, a certain thing, and I had a friend there who spoke Spanish as well, and he said, look, everything that you said to him, he has repeated perfectly to his wife. Like, uh, and that made me feel really good because he wasn't just trying to summarize what I was saying. He he wanted her to hear my words Mm -hmm. and you know, that's a very special thing. Yeah. But that's the attention to detail that he has with his agave and his land and his process and his water and his, you know, all these sorts of things. It's all the way through to the end. And wow, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a really nice way to look at it. You know, like in a simple conversation, he applies these same principles to his work. Yeah. That's really great. And I just think it's the last, it's kind of like a. It's like having a window into prehistoric time. You're mm-hmm. looking at a land. You're looking at a, you know, an art form. And some of these guys are 90 years old, 86 years old, 78 years old. You know, they're, they're there every day. They work every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I asked one of the guys, I said, do you work every, how many days a week do you work? And he said, what do you mean? Yeah, what's a week? What's a yeah, week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I work. I work to live. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. I asked a guy, another guy, like last time we were there a few months ago, I said, What's your favorite tequila? If you if you can't drink mezcal, he says, if I don't drink mezcal, I don't drink anything. I've never had a tequila. I mean, seriously, it, it, it I, I'm starting to feel the same way. I mean, honestly, it, it, like it's it's so it's such a like for for you know a misunderstood thing and like the people that have put their life into something that really never reaches much further than the people they know. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of cases, as you're mm-hmm. saying, right? Uh, to be sitting here and sipping on this, less it's a than real a treat, before. eh? Yeah. I mean, it's. It, I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to finish this. I'm. Well, like, we got more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a long night. It's Sunday, right? Is that right? I um, don't know. I, I. I. You know, and this is this is gonna sound bad, and everybody that listens to your podcast might not like it, but this is the truth for me. I can drink a bottle of whiskey, no problem. Yeah. In a night, but I will have issues. I drank a bottle of mezcal plus. Every day I was away, all day long, in the sun. <laughs> okay? Yeah. All day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, like, with friends and stuff. But I went to bed happy. I woke up, like, on a few hours sleep. You know, I, I did not yawn. I did not feel laborious. I didn't get groggy. And I've been drinking my whole life. Right. We should and say that. Try, like try that with Campari. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just saying, you know, like, why, why is that? Like, what, what is that? What is that? What is that process that my body goes through with yeah. one spirit? That well, it maybe it's go not full of bullshit yeah. is why. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not full of bullshit. It's straight from the earth, you know? It's, like un, it's un, uh, unfucked with, Yeah. right? Um, un, unpre-fucked. Well, Chris, um, yeah. uh, we are running super long, so we need to get to your story. Well, thank God mine is a bullshit story this week, uh, <laughs> as, as indicated by the fucking title. Um, 
Yeah, well, I was uh, recently, uh, um, uh, as you know from last week, I had been away on vacation, and um, so I went to visit our friend Paul Watling, and um, uh, went to a dinner party, and God knows I am fucking deathly afraid of a gathering of people I have no idea what I'm walking into. Uh, I mean, afraid, you know, it's maybe a little bit of a stretch, but like, it makes, it sort of brings out these anxieties, so I'm like, oh, fuck. Sure. You know, and it's it's that dreaded question, like, what do you do? Or it's like, you know, it's it's this thing, you know, it's like fear of the unknown, but also yeah. knowing kind of a yeah. little bit, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think I said that I'm getting better at going to parties, but it was actually the result of the people that I met were just like, it was just so refreshing. I was in fucking Los Angeles and everybody I met was just like super down to earth, like creative artist types, you know, um, who accomplished at that, you know, some of them like... The house I went to, for example, this beautiful like thing you'd see in a fucking magazine, you know, uh, <laughs> that is just you walk in like, oh, my God, this is stunning. And sort of walk into the kitchen and I see this like glimmer off to my left. and I look and there's like a recessed box in the wall with a light shining top down and a fucking Emmy. And I'm like, hmm. what? You know, where am I? Like, this is not something I, it's not my everyday. And I'm like, what? Is, what? Is, you know, and I won't, I won't, I won't say where this Emmy, like how this was acquired. I mean, it was legit. It wasn't stolen. <laughs> somebody beat somebody up. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was waiting in the wings and clubbed someone over the head backstage at the Emmys. They, they had an Oscar and that's much heavier. So they beat <laughs> yeah. this guy up with it. <laughs> right, right. And then got an Emmy uh, as a result. But um, yeah, it was, it was just uh uh, I mean, more. Oh God, it just sounds like I'm just fucking patting myself on the back, but it's not. It, it was just a really nice time, you know. It was uh, maybe an example of like your um, your dread or expectations being totally uh, uh, like worthless. You know, it's yeah. like it's a lesson for you know going like don't don't have an idea, don't have a preconceived notion of this thing because yeah. you don't know, you have no idea. And even if it is true, like you have this idea and you walk in, it's like, yep, that's exactly what I thought it was. Well, that's not because you're a fucking super genius, you know. Uh, it's just the circumstance. So I walked in thinking it was going to be one thing and came out being like, well, that was, this was not a typical Hollywood thing, you know. Yeah. Um, which like, you know, and I never walked in thinking that's what it was going to be. I'm not saying that it was like a big Hollywood party. No, it was like a fucking intimate gathering of people that uh, in the end, basically what this lesson is, like quit being such a judgmental prick. Uh, Bowman, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, anyway, that's that. Thank yeah. Again, th uh, I'm glad Mike was here this week because my story ran about three and a half minutes. So, oh. Yeah. Well, did your did your drink pair well with this? Yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, I've drank four sips of my drink uh, because I didn't want to ignore the specialness of the drink that Mike made for us. Yeah. So, uh, um, and then I'm concentrating on this this. Um, um, as Cal that he brought, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a nice, I mean, it's a Caparina. It's nice. Uh, it's, um, again, I added an extra half lime, so maybe, you know, half squeezed too much. I don't know, but it's nice. It's good. It's, it's had plenty of time to sit down in the glass. So I'm glad that you approve of the national drink of an entire country. Yeah. yeah I have that. Listen, man, you don't see, <laughs> I podcast, I podcast from a throne every week. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I built it myself. Oh, I didn't realize you were so fancy these days. Yeah. Well, um, your your uh, your Peter Sellers the party style Hollywood parties. <laughs> Request. Do we have a listener call this week? We sure do. Let me move my mouse so I can play it right sure. now. Sure. Hey guys, 
I have been living in a studio in Staten Island and commuting almost two hours each way to the Bronx three or four times a week. But I just got approved to move into a new two-bedroom where my commute will only be 10 minutes. So I need a drink for that. That was awesome. uh, that was Craig. And uh, what Craig did, and what you can also do, fair listener, is go to www.letsdrinkabout.it, click the voicemail tab on the right-hand side of the screen, and leave us a message. Um, and so, Craig, because I, I mean, I have to assume you're moving to the Bronx, but I suppose it's possible you're moving to like northern, northern Manhattan. But uh, I don't know. If you work in the Bronx, you shouldn't live in Staten Island. That's just a given. That is too fucking far. Um, so, so good on you. And uh, your cocktail is actually one we have done before on the show. Uh, I think it paired with like Chris getting involved in a softball team. Uh, but it also what? happens to pair with moving to the Bronx. Uh, it's the Bronx cocktail. It's uh, two ounces of gin, half an ounce of dry vermouth, half an ounce of sweet vermouth, and an ounce of fresh squeezed orange juice. Mm. You'll combine ingredients in a shaker with ice, shake and strain into a chilled glass, and garnish with an orange twist. And, and I, thought- uh, I know that it's going to be hard for anybody listening to drink any non-agave spirits after <laughs> this episode. <laughs> yeah, right. Forevermore, yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, give it a try. Um, it sounds good, and uh, I mean, it was good. Um, but it's funny you say you. Oh, it's a, when Chris got involved with the softball team. I thought you were it was, Frank Collins was going to come up again. And I'm like, man, that's too <laughs> soon. Too soon, bro. Too soon. <laughs> uh, Mike has stepped away from the mic for a second, but uh, I, uh, I would, I would love to. So here he comes, Mike. We um, uh, at one point uh, on this show, the, we kind of just p- drew from random websites and you know whatever whatever the event was in our lives we just draw from a, a random source and uh have you ever heard of a frank collins frank collins yeah no so a frank collins is um uh it's a it's like a tom collins but it's made with um frank consomme and frank consomme is the uh water from which uh you boil hot dogs and oh, wow. yeah it's it, it's a not a real thing, thing. obviously because oh it's real well, it's real. I've had it. I mean, it's a, it's, it's someone <laughs> thought of it and made it real. Uh, it's real fucking disgusting, Absolutely. obviously. I mean, the, yeah. the garnish is a is the frank, the hot dog that you oh, boil. Yeah. Perfect. No, nothing so better than time, a, a hot dog in icy, cold cocktail water. And lime juice, for yeah. sure. I think, I think. Uh, I mean, it's, it's nice that I get to enlighten Mike on a cocktail because, mm. I mean, you just wait, you guys. Next, ne- I guarantee within inside the month, uh, Baraval is going to have a Frank Collins on the menu. I just know it. <laughs> I mean, gonna, I think I, I, I think it's a great challenge for a serious bartender to take on. Like, how how can we take this thing that sucks and it's fucking disgusting? It? Yes, it's, it's... I'm going to share the recipe with Mike uh, off air, and uh, and we'll issue the challenge to Mike and see uh, see what he can do. I'll buy the hot dogs, Mike. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. All right. Done. <laughs> All right. That brings us into the show. So, Mike, it has been a long time. We've been trying to work this out mm-hmm. for quite some time. So, thank you so much. Thanks for, for having making me. the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I have a feeling you'll be back. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, if you had a good time, uh, you'll be back. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, you dropped so much knowledge on us today, and um, I'm pretty sure you've converted everyone that listens to this podcast to mezcal. So, uh, run out and buy your bottle because uh, there's none left. Forget yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, there's none left. <laughs> I've got it all. Yeah, Give it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
and uh, Ben, let's do one. You're good at the thank yous. I can never remember the thank yous. Okay, well, we got to thank Graham Walsh and Jamal Richardson for the music. Paul Watling yes. for the art. Yes. Um, Mike, how do uh, how do people find you if they want to find you online or in the real world or whatever? Uh, yeah, it's like a. Our website is uh, www.thisisbarraval.com, R-A-V-A-L. If you're in Toronto, I can't recommend that place highly enough. Yeah, Um, well, I mean, uh, Ben and I sat across the bar from uh, Mike at Bar Isabel, uh, and uh, I mean, that's just fun. That's, this is, we've talked about it on the podcast before, where that's where Ben had always wanted to eat horse, and he ate horse that night, we ate horse. And uh, I we hated also drink lots of tasty drinks. We fucking drink plenty of tasty drinks, Ed. <laughs> but uh, you know, I I I kind of cursed Ben for introducing me to horse meat because I'd never really thought about oh, it. Oh, now you got the taste of it. Well, and then I was just like, I feel so fucking terrible for thinking this is so <laughs> delicious. Yeah. I actually served a, a like a like a, a horse breeder horse tartar when we had it on the menu. We don't have it on the menu anymore, not right. because of any political issues or whatever. We just we just don't have it on the menu anymore. She right. decided to move away from that dish. There's yeah. a lot of controversy and so on and so forth. And um, yeah, I I had a guest who you know, bred horses and so on and so forth. And I was like, look, you just gotta try it. You just gotta try it. You just gotta try it. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I just ordered it anyway and put it in front of them and they ate, ate every last bite and they were like, we're gonna get whatever that was, we're gonna get another one. And I'm like that was your old horse. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> She's like, no. Oh, too God. late. You love controversy. it. Controversy. Oh, controversy. Geez. That's controversial. Yeah, that, that, I mean, it really was. It was, uh, I don't know, what, 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 what's that? Like, thinly sliced. Like, it was like tartare. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. It was, it, it was something else. Um, uh, so, yeah, Bar of Alf. Ever you come to Toronto, check it out because it's uh, you walk in. You'll, yeah, you'll. I've just, I've, 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 I've just heard tell and seen lots of the gorgeous, gorgeous photos, but, uh, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. It's a lot of wood. It's cool lot. wood, though. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's really not well just, designed. it's not just wood. It's like, it's like, it's like wood that's flowing like water. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely true. It's absolutely true. It's gorgeous. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so if you want to. Uh, step your game up. Go to Bar of All. If you want to follow Chris on Twitter, you can follow him <laughs> at Chris B Chicken and Benjamin at Benjamin R A H R. And you can follow our show at Drink About It. Uh, I think I thanked everybody, but Lizzie Bartelt, who runs our Instagram and Facebook, which you should absolutely also follow. Yes. And uh, we should thank Mike for thank coming you, in and being our lovely and talented guest. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Well worth the wait. And uh, as I say, you're welcome back anytime. Buddy. It's been yeah. yeah. It's been nothing short of a delight. Thanks, man. With that, we'll be back at you next drink. Next week. <laughs> and next, <laughs> next drink. Next drink with more weeks that go with them and <laughs> more life events that pair perfectly. <laughs> I've been Ben Harrison. <laughs> Later, potato. Uh, don't choke on your rum and coke. A little little slap-a-doo at the end there. (laughs) (laughs) A little slap-a-doo. Anyway, all right. Thanks, Ben.